This is a podcast from China Daily Hong Kong. Thanks for tuning in to an edition of Story Spotlight, where we engage with a CDHK reporter and dive deeper into a recently published story which drew a buzz. I'll be speaking with Chitra Leka Basu, culture editor for CDHK, on a recently published feature titled "The Moving Art of Lalan" on the multidisciplinary French-Chinese painter of the 20th century, Lalan, born Shi Jinglan, whose exhibition is currently running in Hong Kong until mid-September. Chitralika, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for this session because、uh, this is such a niche subject. Lalan was among the early practitioners of integrated arts, incorporating painting, music, dance, and poetry into her performances. Her first husband was the illustrious and renowned Chinese painter Sao Wuqi, and Lalan, who only took up painting later in her own life, was able to make her own mark with her work. One that is now celebrated and admired more and more in the art world. Many of Lalan's works blended what she learned when she went to France, along with her cultural roots, including Chinese philosophy as well as her other passions, her original passions like music and dance. So I was wondering, what made you choose to write a feature on her specifically out of the many exhibitions now opening in Hong Kong? Right.、Uh, the immediate trigger, of course, is that Asia Society Hong Kong Center. Has put together this marvelous retrospective show of Lalan's works, and、uh, it's a it's good that you chose to kind of do this podcast at this point in time because the show is still on. It's on till the nineteenth of September, and the interesting thing is that you know there are apart from the fact that there are a, a third of the exhibits at the show are. Previously unseen works, you know, there there have haven't been you know public showcasings of these works. That oh wow, one, that's and number two is they、uh, are kind of you know they have a number of ancillary events around the、uh, show, around the exhibition, apart from the regular sort of panels and、uh, discussions and symposiums. They also actually. Commissioned a dance piece choreographed by a Hong Kong、uh, dancer called Alan Lam, and that was av- available to view both in the kind of you know physical space as well as as an AR experience.、Right. And、uh, so there are a number of events, and they sort of keep adding to these things. And, and、hmm. there will be quite a number of these others. The other one I wanted to mention is there's a. Something they called a slow guided tour, which is like if you wish to take your time, sort of absorbing the experience, you can、right. do so, and 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 there will be assistance with that as well. So、right. there, so Asian Society Hong Kong Center, they are presenting a very comprehensive idea of this artist who, obviously, as we just、uh, talked about,、uh, deserves greater recognition than she has garnered so far. And so that was immediately kind of that sort of gave me an opportunity to kind of look at、uh, the artist's work and、uh, know a bit more about them, which is something I sort of you know I wanted to share and draw attention to. Right. Yeah.、Um, it's interesting that you mention all these different layers of、uh, immersive experience, so to speak, because you know, as your piece mentioned, Lalan is now becoming a bigger, bigger name in the art world, and is considered one of the earliest practitioners of integrated arts. And that's something we see more now of in many performances and exhibitions throughout the creative space and in new media as well. Could you talk about the ubiquity of integrated arts today, particularly found in new media, 
and how that style and appreciation has changed over the decades from Lalan's time till now? That's a great question, actually, because, you know, integrate the, the rise and rise of integrated art is what we are going to, or, or cross-disciplinary art, as we call it, uh, that we are seeing a lot of these days. And this is tied with the idea of, you know, our, you know, our lives going digital in a big way. You know, we live right. digital life. And this is sort of tied with the rise of integrated art because now the digital invasion in our lives, it, this allows for a space where the physical art forms such as sculpture, music or theater, they can be presented in conjunction with computerized and interactive multimedia shows. So, right. and that has sort of opened up infinite possibilities and uh, and and that potential it's kind of you know that's that's only going to grow previously uh, something that was performative performance art used to be ephemeral and it couldn't mm. be sort of you know collected it was there for for that moment and then and then it was over right now with kind of you know the now the nature of integrated or cross disciplinary art mostly is uh, such that you know it can also be collected and preserved and sort of you know you can see it over and over again and that's the reason why kind of you know artists are exploring this form and uh, the museums and art galleries and even private collectors are interested in uh, in collecting uh, such pieces of art and you know it's kind of the art world is hugely invested in this form in this category of art and now, uh, you know, where to sort of, you know, I'd like to sort of, as you suggested, put Lalan in the context of cross-disciplinary art because she was a pioneer of the form. And what we, the kind of, what was interesting about her work was that she was doing this in a pre-digital era. Right. She did not have the backup of technology to enhance what she has had to offer. So it was like she combined art, dancing, Tai Chi moves, and then set it to music. So it was all her from start right. to finish. You know, it's like these days, oftentimes, you know, when you see an a piece of integrated art, the concept comes from the artist and the execution. Then he'd hire professionals to kind of do the rest, right. the dancing, the music. There will be several people coming together as a team to do it. But uh, what Lalan was doing was, you know, it, from start to finish, it was... A one-man band. She was a one-man band, right? Yeah, one-man band or a one-person one sort of... Yeah, one woman, One-person yeah. theater company. One person who is creating that entire experience. Right. And I don't think there are too many examples of that kind, either from her own time, who was doing something like, the, or, or, you know, art, dance and music and, and martial arts all at one go. And uh, I don't think there is a possibility of us seeing more of that happening in the present or in the future because of the digital invasion in our lives. Sure. So uh, now art is kind of, you know, more like, uh, you know, we most artists who are into kind of integrated art, they work as a as a collective rather than an individual. And right. in that respect, I think Lalan was quite unique. Sure. Actually, yeah, no, that's really interesting because because of what you just said, her particular moment and her work's existence makes it all the more special and unique as just a momentary existence. Because like you said, immediately after that was the invasion of the digital. That's really interesting. A number of Chinese artists went over to France, I believe at that time, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and other parts of Europe. 
um, and at that time to further learning in the arts. And I believe back then it was only, you know, it was only the extremely gifted or talented who would be able to go and get subsidized by the government to go and pursue. But now there's obviously more younger Chinese artists who are studying the arts abroad. So what is the key difference between then that time and now on Chinese painters who go abroad and adopt a mixed style, uh, their own cultural background with quote unquote Western style like La Lan did? And how are their works received today at the top level of the art world? Right. That again is <laughs> it's a, a vast, can be a very big answer to that question, but I'll try to sort of be precise. So, uh, yes, kind of, you know, thanks for bringing up the, the influx, you know, Chinese artists in the first half of the 20th century. They all went to Paris, basically. Okay. And and then they sort of that's where they became artists. The flowering of the the artists, the fruition of their talent, that happened only after they reached Paris and they right. sort of absorbed right. the cultural influences that and and also the stylistic techniques. And these were like master painters, the finest 20th century painters, not only what China has produced, but you know in terms of the wider world. Right. Because, you know, one of them, like Zhang Daqian, this, this was a group of, you know, seven very extremely talented uh, artists who became later became kind of were recognized as master painters of, you know, of uh, expo- major exponents of modernist art. Zhang Daqian, one, who, who was one of the pioneers, he sometimes valued more than more than Picasso. Oh, wow. His the market for his art hmm. is so huge. So and so it's similar with Zhao Qi, who was Lalan's first husband. Hmm. And uh, so the art traditions and the cultural milieu in Europe had a sort of a profound impact on their painting styles. And and even as they sort of many of them did, they retained a strong Chinese sensibility. And this was this unique fusion of the east east and west that they achieved and this is something that was new and sort of it captured the imagination of the world right and and this uh, this is we are talking of the first half of the 20th century and their influence sort of kind of continued sort of dominated the 20th century but what's happening now to come back to your question is that paris is no longer the undisputed epicenter of the art world and I don't think, I mean, it's like uh, a lot of Chinese artists now prefer to live and work in sort of New York or Berlin or right. Melbourne. And it's sort of kind of, you know, it's it's gotten scattered. I know right. there is no undisputed epicenter of the art world today. Mm. And the other interesting thing that's happening is unlike the 20th century Chinese artists who were sort of attracted by the free flow of ideas and new techniques and Paris was the seat of high culture and that's the reason that they went there. These days, a lot of artists and this include, uh, sort of this includes leading Hong Kong artists, you know, work, right. living and working at this time, who have been to, who went abroad to kind of, you know, get trained and get, gain some experience. But many of them actually came back and okay. kind of, you know, they were kind of, you know, they live, live and work in Hong Kong now and they're, they, so, and they're happy to do so. And I think the reason that this has happened is because we live in a globalized world. I mean, it's possible to kind of, you know, be look, I mean, where you are located hardly matters these days. You are kind of, you are, you have an exposure to kind of the finest ideas in, in the field of culture sitting, you know, in your, wherever you are in the world. 
Yeah. So, so would you also say the so, level the level of talent of painters is also, you know, much greater now because you have more people who are studying the craft and there's so much more ideas and more cultural fusions and influences that just the level of um, of painting as well by it's it's gone up. So maybe that's why they're not no, as many. Sorry, go on. The volume is certainly much bigger than the the volume of artwork and, and also the diversity you know right. as you just mentioned it's not just paintings any, uh, anymore a lot of the artists you know especially in hong kong which is a sort of a hub of you know new media art really right. because we have some very fine institutions who kind of and again you know those institutions the teachers the people who teach in these like the city youth school of creative media for instance they have the finest teachers who are artists themselves and these artists are from kind of you know they are uh, they come from australia from england from you know different countries in europe this cultural confluence can you know uh, happen uh, irrespective of where you are located right see for me chitraleka when i came across your piece and i never heard of lalam before it spoke to me because it was just one of and why i think many people you know will more and more appreciate her especially as the more they get to know about her is because it's just another one of examples of women in the 20th century who are overlooked whether it's in any craft of and only later on in the 21st century we start to realize them whether it's Gertrude Bell the famous female explorer or Marie Curie anybody <clears throat> that we didn't appreciate at that time but only afterwards and i feel like Lalan is just another you know just another woman in that list and she was able to step out of her first husband's shadow who was you know a huge name and it still is a huge name obviously and um i was wondering but it, it was only recently her work started to gain traction so why did it what were some of the reasons that it took so long for her work to be appreciated aside from the fact that she was in her hu- first husband's shadow well there are a number of reasons i think and uh, it's not exclusively about uh, gender bias and although that is also probably there mm. but that's not the only reason and uh, i i think the wider interest in her work which happened uh, only after her death that was in 1995 uh, it might have sort of coincided with the general desire on the part of the art community that includes such sort of galleries museums and other cultural institutions even collectors to an extent to sort of seek out and recognize women artists and right. sort of do a, a reevaluation of their work study them in their socio cultural context and include them in the academic discussion on the history of art and uh, this is a bit of information that i collected from one of the curators dory spoon of asia society hong kong uh, and and she told me that you know the interest sort of uh, one of the triggers was that you know her this was around 2005 2006 mid 2000s when her uh, works were being shown in major museums in paris and hmm. shanghai and that sort of sparked an interest in her work people got ah, interested okay and then there was a sort of a few years back there was sotheby's i think did a, an auction which was dedicated entirely to lalan's works which is kind of you know sort of unprecedented and it, it it's rare for an auction house of you know one of the leading auction international houses dedicate an entire auction show to one single woman artist from china 
And then, of course, as you probably mentioned that, you know, Lalan was in the shadow of her kind of illustrious first husband, Zhao Ki, who was an extremely commercially successful art- artist in his own time. Right. Lalan was al- also the fact that Lalan was a late bloomer. Sure. And she was, yeah, and she was started painting only in her 40s. And, and she was also, she didn't have a formal training in art. And then, of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, is that, you know, her art is very abstract. It's not something that might immediately attract. It's, it was not meant to be meant to have a popular appeal. And it, it never did in that sense. Right. Uh, so and there was sort of, you know, it was informed by very kind of, you know, niche, abstract, esoteric ideas like Taoism. And then, of course, the idea of integrated art was too new mm. in the 1990s or 80s. It was too new at, the, at that point of time. People sort of, you know, it's a, in, in many ways, Lalan was an artist who was who had arrived on the scene ahead of her time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it sounds like there's multiple different reasons of, you know, why it took so long. And it's just the way it was right. from being ahead of her time with the integrated arts to that it did not specifically stand out as a genre of its own. And like you said, it took her a while to find her groove, so to speak, in painting right. because, yeah, she was. Am- so I wanted to know what was the most profound takeaway for you personally writing this feature story? Or was it something that, you know, you learned going in that you discovered that you weren't expecting to discover coming out of it? This was an opportunity for me to kind of have a look at her works. And what immediately struck me about her work, and I, I, again, I don't have a background in sort of art appreciation or anything of that sort. What I go by is gut feeling, hmm. um, uh, as with pretty much everything else. So, uh, what, <laughs> yeah. so what, I, what struck me about her work was that, you know, the kind of passion and the restless energy that she put into them. You could almost feel the sort of physical movement that she sort of, the way she sort of probably, here was this tiny woman who was painting these huge canvases. Right. And, you know, you almost feel the physical strength it took her to sort of grab the brush with maybe both hands as she kind of, you know, made that calligraphy and uh, followed a calligraphic stroke, but then also diffused it, defamiliarized it a bit. And the kind of energy, that energy and passion, basically, that she put into those canvases. So that stood out for me. I mean, I could see why there was a reason why she went into integrated art and kind of, you know, combined music, painting and dance in the same show. Because, uh, you know, the canvas is only a finite space, which could hardly continue what Lalan was trying to express. <laughs> right. So, it required multiple forms. It required multiple forms to yeah, be able to hold exactly. that what she was trying to convey. That's right. You know, I have zero authority and ability to be able to read and deduce paintings and art in any fashion. But I also could sense the energy of just looking at all of her paintings. Like the the energy was definitely the first thing that stuck out. And because it felt like she was trying, now I don't want to say the word desperately, but with a lot of desire to let her voice be heard. Yes, that was sort of, I, I, I like the word that you kind of used desperately because there was, there seems to be a sort of something feverish about her outpouring of her feelings. Well, I wanted to go to the exhibition before I spoke with you, but 
it, it runs until the 19th of September. September, that's right. So, so I'm definitely going to go. You still have time. And with new appreciation, with new information after speaking to you as well. So that helps a lot. And you mentioned there was one third of the work is unseen too, right? Right, yeah. That's what the Asia Society director, she told me that. Yeah. So it's to the to Asia Society's credit that they managed to put it all together. Chitraleka Basu, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Well, thank you for having me. That's all for this segment, guys. Until next time, stay healthy.